And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel in the all-new MNC Nation. I want to thank all three radio stations for tuning in. Uh, Rumble's hopping today, so that's good. It was a slow week last week. I guess it was because of the warm weather. Y'all decided not to hang out. But um, if you could, if you're watching and you have not subscribed yet, please do so. It is free. And if you could hit that thumbs up button, that is a big help with the homepage algorithm. So we move up in the the live streaming uh, recommendations and things like that on Rumble. That would be uh, that would be great. So thank you for that. I want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend, Warsaw, Columbia City. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. You can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. Let's do some political stuff here real quick. Nikki Haley had her town hall, and it's not news. It's CNN. Can you cue my audio, please? I'm not going to go over like a whole thing, but she was asked very specifically about signing a six-week abortion ban. And here's the thing. I have my issues with Nikki Haley, but overall, I really like her. Um, I just don't think that she's presidential material, but Nikki Haley was a stellar ambassador to the UN. Now she did a fantastic job overall at the UN and Nikki Haley has her place. I just don't think that she's the chief executive of the country uh, for, well, various reasons that go back to her gubernatorial reign uh, previously. But this is how she answered a a question about a six week abortion ban. And I got to tell you, she kind of knocked this out of the park, guys. Would a, if a six-week ban theoretically came to your desk, would you sign it? But why? Why? I will answer that when you answer when you ask Kamala and Biden if they would agree to thirty-seven yes. weeks, thirty-eight weeks, thirty-nine weeks. Then I'll answer. Yes, that this is how you answer. That's how you answer that question. That is a hundred percent. Hey, and you know you got like idiot reporters like Aaron Rupert, who by the way is a brain-dead moron. Uh, she refused to say if she would sign a six-week ban. Actually, she went into greater detail in the abortion issue right after that. Um, but her point is, I'm not going to answer this until you start asking these questions of the other side. Which is how, here's the thing. There was a time when there was advocacy to not engage on these social issues and deal with the policy of those social issues when you get into office. Because the social issues were used to destroy Republican candidate after Republican candidate, after Republican candidate. Now, Dan Bongino is half right in his assessment of this. Dan Bongino, for those of you who listen to his show, he will tell you that it was a huge mistake to not engage on these issues. Well, if you go back in time, it really wasn't because anybody who even mentioned some of these issues and a traditional conservative stance on it ended up getting obliterated when it came to the ballot box. Now, the reason for that wasn't that the issue was wrong. The reason for that is they did not prepare themselves for the fight. And so I I said, remember when Murdoch in Indiana got destroyed when the abortion thing came up because he fumbled it? And I I kept saying to people, I was like, you know, I'm not telling you not to engage on this, but if you are going to run for office, you had better be prepared to answer questions on abortion and other things. And no Republican candidate was because they just kept getting advice. Well, just don't answer the question. Just move on and don't answer it. Well, then they, that would become the topic. And eventually they would get back to into a corner and they would just lose on the issue because they wouldn't defend it. They just wouldn't. You know, the most you could get out of somebody is I'm proudly pro-life. And then they wouldn't give you any details on anything else. And they would get very specific questions about policy and all of that. And they would just, I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm you know, proudly pro-life. That's all you would get. And it was almost always a losing issue when it wasn't on the national stage. Nikki Haley, 
addressed it perfectly. And after this, she basically said, look, let's just start, let's start having the conversation from a point of, we don't want mothers to be executed who have an abortion. And we, we don't want, you know, this to be, you know, a nine month um, abortion, that sort of thing. She gave like three things, a criteria. I don't want to misquote her here because I don't have the audio in front of me. But she gave like some criteria. Let's just start having the discussion at these things that we all pretty much agree on. So it's almost like falling back on what you hear me say a lot. I believe in starting a conversation with the foundation of facts. And if we can't agree on the foundation of facts, then you're not a reasonable person. And I'm not going to even have the discussion with you because I'm wasting my time. Now, maybe if somebody else is watching, I will. But if you can't agree on certain foundations of facts, then there's no reason in engaging with you. And that's kind of what Nikki Haley was doing here. You're asking me if I would sign a six-week abortion ban. She's never talked about a six-week abortion ban. And she's saying, why don't you ask Kamala and Joe Biden about late-term abortions? How about that? Because they won't answer that question either. And the news media doesn't care if they want to answer that question. But here you got people like uh, Aaron Rupert. Ah, she refuses to say if she'd sign a six-week abortion ban. See what they do? But she handled this, honestly, in the best possible way that you can. Uh, Screw you, Tapper. I'm not going to answer you until you start asking these questions of other people. Then, at a future date, when you ask that question, you can go, hey, I did what you asked. And then she can answer it, which is a fair point. Uh, Ron DeSantis had himself, uh, frankly, a pretty good weekend. Uh, Cue the audio again. This is Donald Trump at one of his, um, one of his uh, events in Iowa. This is in Urbandale. He was asked about the term woke. This is how that went down. It's gone sick. And I don't like the term woke because I hear woke, woke, woke. You know, it's like just a term that use half the people can't even define it. They don't know what it is. Okay, it's cultural Marxism, which, by the way, is a very big topic. Okay, it's a huge topic because there's a lot of you go, I don't, I don't exactly know what cultural Marxism is either. It's a very big thing to discuss. And yes, when you, when you ask a lot of people to define woke in a 10-second soundbite, a lot of people struggle with it. But the reality is, is that everybody knows what it is. And so when Trump said that, DeSantis was asked kind of the same thing. This is how DeSantis responded. Well, woke is, a, is an existential threat to our society. I mean, it's an attack on truth. It's a form of cultural Marxism. And it really subordinates merit and achievement to things like identity politics. You can't have a vibrant free society if every institution is dominated by woke ideology. And to say it's not a big deal, uh, that just shows, you know, you don't understand what what a lot of these issues are right now. I mean, that was less than 20 seconds of Ron DeSantis giving you a pretty basic definition of what the so-called term woke is. Which I find hysterical, by the way, that there's people on the left now running around social media going, every time you people on the right use the word woke, like uh, like you're some children or something like that, is stop using that word. I remember just a couple of years ago when Tommy Lahren was attacked for using the word woke because she was one of the first people on, in the political right to be talking about the term woke because it was a word that was created by and exclusively used by the left. And now they're ticked off that you, me, and others use their words against them. So now they're trying to belittle you by saying the term woke is stupid and childish. Well, you didn't think that just three years ago when you pioneered the use of it. Now you're mad because the term woke is a pejorative. It's not an endearing terminology at all. So they lose it. Folks, on that answer there, DeSantis won the weekend. Now, something else happened with DeSantis, too. Uh, I want to play this for you. This happened when a heckler 
started attacking Ron DeSantis. I'm not going to get into the Paramore thing because, frankly, I'm irritated that my kids can't listen to Paramore anymore because they really like Paramore. I know that the lead singer of Paramore brought up some dumb idiot politician who yelled, you know, bleep DeSantis, whatever. I, it, it is what it is, okay? If, if Haley is a lead singer of Paramore, um, if she is going to be so insecure that she allows somebody who apparently posted online that she was too scared to talk about politics on, the, on tour, and then she's going to say, well, somebody said I was too scared to talk about politics. I'm just going to talk about politics. Yeah, bleep DeSantis. If she's going to do that, mock her and ask her when she's going to put up her MAGA sign on her social media. Because if she's going that hard against DeSantis, she must be pro-Trump because there is no other option. So just start mocking her with that. Just another person that we got to, you know, basically shed out of our lives culturally. Good band, great band. By all accounts, she's a nice woman. But if she's going to go down that road, then why should my kids listen to her music? It's a band that I, in my teen years, grew up with. But anyway, so Ron DeSantis had a heckler at one of his events. And they heckled him on a couple of things, and this is how he responded to it. Fortunately, there's bad stuff that's getting into the schools. Here comes there's the heckler. pornography that's getting into the schools. So the parents have had to blow the whistle in Florida. They've had to, they've had to, yeah, well, thank you, thank you. Um, we, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the crowd shouting them down, as they should. We're not going to let you impose an agenda on our kids. We're going to stand up for our kids. We're going to make sure to do it right. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. Those people like that in Florida are the people we beat every single day on policy. We do not let them win. We win all these battles. We're not letting them indoctrinate our kids. Not on our watch. So, once again, DeSantis won the weekend. Sorry, he did. Can I just kind of point this out? It's okay for you to like Trump and DeSantis. You know, you're allowed to do that. Like, you don't have to be a tribalist. Like, you're allowed to like both of them. Uh, they both have their qualities, and they they both have some faults. But nonetheless, let's take a look at the polling, though. The RCP average still has Trump way ahead of DeSantis, 53.2 to 22.4. Okay, so it is a massive, massive lead that Trump still has. However, anybody want to take a look at the line chart? So let's take a look at the line chart. In the past two weeks... Trump has dropped and DeSantis has grown. And it has been two weeks where DeSantis has performed pretty darn good and Trump hasn't. Trump had a he had a big bump with the CNN town hall. Uh, Trump dominated CNN. He reminded everybody why they liked Trump, reminded the left why they hated him. Um, but the past two weeks, DeSantis has been surging and Trump has been dropping in the polls. That is a fact. That's the average now. Okay, I, I, I use the the RCP average, because DeSantis and Trump will be able to pick out individual polls where you know they, they think that they're doing better than others and that sort of thing. It, I don't think that DeSantis has been winning a national poll, but uh, the average, I'm looking at this now, DeSantis hasn't won a poll since going back to March 9th. Okay? March 9th, DeSantis won one poll. So, other than that, uh, he hasn't won any polls 
at this point in time with Trump. But if we go back, let's just go back to the beginning of the month, okay? Um, Trump plus 28, plus 45, plus 42, plus 31, plus 33. He's now plus 30.8. The past two weeks have been breaking DeSantis's way. Now, DeSantis just got in this thing. Uh, and I still don't think it's fair to compare the polling when he wasn't officially a candidate because a lot of people were not throwing in for people who were not officially candidates yet. Um, but it is okay. You know, if you're out there, it's okay if you don't like both of them. It's totally fine. <laughs> you're allowed to like a little bit of everybody, and you don't have to get super upset about it. As I've told you before, I'm going to make a lot of you upset when I cover the primary because I make you upset every primary that I cover, every single time, because I will be honest with you about what's happening. And right now, DeSantis had a good couple of weeks. And Trump has it. That's just the truth. You know, I think that people are lying about Trump's crowd size to an extent. Um, He is intentionally focused on smaller crowds and not trying to do these big giant events. So when people go, well, Trump just has this little crowd here, you know, like 500 people or whatever. It's a tiny crowd. Nobody's interested in him. That's Team DeSantis propaganda. Uh, He has specifically made small crowd his, his tour in Iowa. He's not trying to do big crowds in Iowa. He's trying to do small, intimate crowds where he talks to people. That's what Trump has been trying to do. Um, and he's, he's been doing it, and he's been, for the most part, um, having you know, pretty decent you know, crowds in those smaller venues. Uh, but people are, again, it's, this is going to be politics. You're going to see a lot of this stuff. But we've also seen the Trump lies about crowd size and doesn't have any crowds. We've seen that for his entire political career where the left tries to say, see, nobody cares about Trump anymore. Look how small the crowd is. And then it turns out that it was... You know, footage from before he even took the stage had nothing to do with anything. Uh, I was at an event not that long ago where the crowd wasn't that big until people started taking the stage because they were just out there doing refreshments or what have you, mingling, that sort of thing. And then when the main speaker gets on the stage, all of a sudden everybody piles into the room, um, which is technically late. But as the main speaker starts, then people pile into the room. Next thing you know, the whole thing is is just jam-packed. So it's very common. So if people are going to take video footage from the back of the room where there isn't anybody there and <laughs> when nobody's taken the stage yet and try to claim that that is the uh, the actual crowd size those are people who are not being honest with you but nikki haley i think answered the abortion question good um i think that desantis had himself a good weekend i think trump didn't have a bad weekend it's just that right now desantis is he's you hear you hear people talk about the big mo momentum that sort of thing uh, desantis has it right now Trump can easily get it back because Trump had it just a couple of weeks ago. So it'll be who gets more momentum going forward. And I know that Tim Scott is out there and, and Larry Elder is out there. Um, but it's, you know we, know, we know what this race is. We know that you've got Trump way up at the top. You've got DeSantis about 20 points below him. And, you know, I get Pence made it official. But you've got everybody else, ladies and gentlemen, every single other candidate is single digits. Nobody is competing with these two. Nobody. And I'm sure that there will be moments where Trump, you know, he channels his his normal self and he'll do very well in the polling and DeSantis will falter. But right now, Trump is on the downswing and DeSantis is on the upswing if you look at the polling. But Trump is still way ahead, way ahead. And nobody can say otherwise. All right, we got more coming up, 95.3 MNC and the all-new MNC Nation. Hey, 
and good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Got to tell you about Nutrition HQ, and you can transform your weight loss journey with the all-new Torch. It's a fat-burning program that's now available at Nutrition HQ. You can say goodbye to ordinary fat-burning methods and ignite your results like never before. So this is a groundbreaking program which will introduce all new formulas, and this is a this is a new product. Okay, so some of you have been using some of their more effective fat burners in the past. Maybe you want to change it up and give Torch a tries for men and women. It has a dual action formula, and these have patented ingredients, which will help you shed pounds and inches like never before in a good way uh, for an enhanced weight loss journey. Gentlemen, they have T-Lift, while ladies can combine it with Titan for an incredibly uh, effective body sculpting boost. Okay, so there's two different things. So men, women, it's tailored for all of you. Uh, T-Lift, and, and see what we got here. Uh, it's available at Nutrition HQ right now. So these are for more rapid results. All right, some people are looking for a little bit more drawn-out results. These are going to be much more rapid, and you can use Torch, whether you're man or woman, and you can shed those unwanted pounds. So don't delay. Order Torch now. Available at Nutrition HQ, 5804 Grape Road in Mishawaka. And when you mention me, you get a discount on that and every other product at Nutrition HQ. Okay, um, I wanted to just kind of take a, a couple of minutes here and just go over this. You know, <clears throat> there's a couple of articles that I will put in the daily show prep today, and I'll probably do a longer piece on them at some point on cultural Marxism. In fact, uh, Pastor Pastor Lucas Miles actually did a really good uh, sermon on this at uh, Influence Church in Granger this past weekend, and I highly recommend you you obviously read his stuff on this and watch his stuff on this. Cultural Marxism is a very, it's a complicated subject. It's been around for a very long time. The Southern Poverty Law Center and other hate groups have tried to debunk cultural Marxism as a right-wing conspiracy going back to at least 2003. This isn't new. I keep telling you, this is not a new phenomenon that you're dealing with. This is very much a very real thing that has been excuse me, has been around for an extended period of time, which these two articles that I have here break it down from the historical, you know, beginnings of cultural Marxism, kind of where it comes from, what the goals are uh, with cultural Marxism. See, the left, what they do is they have these big, broad, we'll call it ideologies, these big, broad ideologies. And they try to do these things where they're very, very complicated. I've been telling you for 18 years now on this radio show, depending on which market you've been in when when I've been on, that part of the strategy of the left is to make things too complicated for you to follow. The average person doesn't have the time. They don't have the time. They don't have the patience. They don't have the energy. You're busy with your lives. So you rely on other people sometimes to tell you what it is. And when you have somebody who says, oh, define cultural Marxism, you know, or, you know, define woke. DeSantis, I think, did a really good job there. But they, the next question is, well, what's cultural Marxism? Well, then you've got to break cultural Marxism down in 10-second sound bites, which is very difficult to do. So it takes a while to get to that point. And the reason that they do that is they want to, ah, see, you can't even say what the definition is. When, in fact, it's just a very broad, overly complicated philosophy, which has become the religion. And DEI and critical race theory and other aspects of critical theory are all a part of it. The end of the day, they are trying to deconstruct our society. 
and replace historical fact with revisionist history and attack the culture. That's what they're doing. They're replacing statistical realities and facts with butthurt false narratives. Wouldn't it be something if I were on the campaign trail and I, and I said butthurt false <laughs> Can you imagine the headlines from that? So I'm going to include these two articles, which uh, they're meaty, but they're not too long. And they explain cultural Marxism and kind of break it down throughout its history and kind of what it is and the goals are. Because I think that you need to understand that. You can dissect cultural Marxism down into a couple of sentences. It can be done. But uh, you still need to understand what it is. Because the goal is to give you all of these made-up terms, these made-up words. A lot of you look at it. Why do they keep making up these terms? The goal is to have you not understand what they're saying. And so when somebody says, well, define this. And you go, well, it's asinine stupidness. And they go, see, you don't even know the definition. <laughs> that's, that's the whole point. The whole point is setting you up for failure in a discussion or a debate by making things up and just fabricating language out of thin air. That's what they do. So if you read these two articles, I'll put them in the Daily Show prep today. Uh, which will be available at btmedia.news, you're going to have a much better grasp of what cultural Marxism is. These are by no means the end-all, be-all, or the definitive sources for that definition or what it is, but they are certainly a good primer for the average person to be able to understand what's going on. So I will put them in the daily show prep today, and I hope that you give yourself some time to sit down and, and read them you know, in 15, 20 minutes or whatever and actually figure out what's happening here because... Again, uh, this woke ideology and CRT and everything else, it all emanates from the same place. Every single bit of it. They, you think that they're different things, but they're literally the same thing under different names. They're branches of the same exact tree, which is cultural Marxism.